0: hi i'm michelle brooks welcome to endo matters this is a podcast that helps women with endometriosis get in control of their condition no longer letting it control them i'll be asking you the listener what help you would like and giving you tips on how you can live a better life with endo after all endo does matter Hi listeners, today I'm going to be answering a question sent in to me by one of our listeners, Becky. She has asked me the question of, what are endometriosis symptoms? So this isn't a question that can be answered very easily, really. Um, All women are different. Everybody with endometriosis has different symptoms. And the severity, case by case, is um, so different. But what I do find when I work with women is that there are similarities. And what I'm going to outline for you today in the episode is um, some of the main culprits. So that hopefully if you um, yourself have got any of these symptoms and you've not been yet diagnosed with endometriosis, you can, um, what I suggest is go to your doctor and and just be heard. The thing with endometriosis is that... um, it's very hard to get a diagnostic. So the doctor um, will obviously just examine you initially and not actually be able to diagnose because the only diagnostic you can get is through a laparoscopy, which is a under the knife operation. It's not a very long operation. It doesn't take any time at all, and it's not too intrusive, but nevertheless, um, you do have to be referred by a GP so what um what i suggest is if you do have any of the symptoms i'm going to outline today that you get checked out as soon as possible because the the um the length of time to actually get your diagnostic is quite long the average at the moment in the uk is about 7 years it took me actually 17 years to get mine so as i say once you do start having any of these symptoms go and speak to your doctor i can't urge you enough so What I will start with is I love to make notes and whenever I'm listening to somebody else's podcast, whenever I'm doing any other kind of research, I love to make notes. So what I'm going to do is number these things so that if you're taking notes, it makes it a little bit easier for you to follow. So number one is about painful periods. Painful periods are probably the number one thing that endometriosis sufferers have to deal with every month. Obviously every woman deals with a period every month, but what an endometriosis sufferer has to deal with is completely off the scale. So pain in the lower abdomen is a massive one, pain in the lower back, and then another really like excruciating one is the pain up the backside. And the only way I can kind of describe this is by sticking a knife up inside you and twisting it really slowly. Um, it is just horrific. Now, this isn't normal and if you have any kind of pain at all during a period, it's not normal. You go to the doctor and they go, it's just a painful period. And it's not an answer. In my book, any period that is painful is has some underlying condition. It's it, it, Women have a period, yes, but women shouldn't have to deal with painful periods. If you cannot get rid of a period pain with just a simple aspirin, or a paracetamol, then it is more severe. You know, I take myself um, naproxen every month so that I can get rid of my pain, strong 500 milligram naproxen to get rid of my pain. I know women that are on morphine. So it's not something that is taken lightly. So if you have painful periods, regardless of how severe it is, then start to listen now and start to do something about it. Now, obviously, as I've said before, to get a diagnosis is a laparoscopy, but what you can do for yourself with painful periods is to look at your nutrition, to look at your exercise regime, and to look at stress management. Those three things, working in synergy together, will help you no end with this painful period. Yes, of course, it's not just endometriosis that would cause a painful period. There are other conditions out there, PCOS, um, pelvic problems, all types of other conditions that may be a factor. But again, you would need to go to your GP and first start the ball rolling. What the difference is between an endometriosis period and other periods, again, is just this severity of getting that pain um, up the backside throughout the whole body and endometriosis um, it connects itself to other organs so again your pain might be in areas that you're not even thinking of I have mine on my bowel Um, a lot of women I deal with have it on the bowel but some women can have it on like the lung it can travel so far up and go to the lung so if you're having like chest pains and things this can be an endometriosis pain so it's not a normal period I would say is just a little bit of stomach cramping but it's the severity that would suggest that you may have something underlying. So with regards to nutrition, um, where you would first kind of start to look is trying to eliminate anything that's an inflammatory. So looking towards, again, you know, I'll talk about this further, but a lot of women have intolerances when they have endometriosis. So looking at things like dairy, looking at things like wheat, looking at anything that will trigger your inflammation. And again, the main culprits, as I've just outlined, are dairy, wheat, alcohol, sugar, salt. A lot of these things will cause chronic inflammation within the body. So you want to be looking at getting your nutrition to a a point of that it's as anti-inflammatory as possible. Really trying to find ways of keeping inflammation as low as possible. So, yeah, what I would start with is a food elimination process. So cutting out all of those things I've just spoken about and really, really slowly adding them back in and seeing what kind of reaction you do have. And another way that I would, well, a way that I work and it's included in the program that I give to women is working around your cycle with nutrition so cutting a lot of this stuff out in the run-up to the period and during, so for example, um, I don't drink any alcohol the week leading up to my to my period period or during, and then um, once I'm out of that time, I allow myself to have, you know, a glass of wine or something that I fancy, because it passes better, and that's again, it's, it's kind of knowing how your body reacts to things, and I know completely that during um that run up to my period and during that alcohol just does not pass with me and it will differentiate between a good and bad month if i do or don't have alcohol and that's just one example like as i say you know there are other things that you know you can cut out in that run up to like dairy and things like that but it might pass outside of that time so again it's it's looking at a whole cycle of a woman and really finding a way of making it work for them so moving on to number two, painful sex. Now again, um, anything to do with sex that's painful is not normal. Well, it can be, but we won't talk about that on this episode. Um, it's it's a real big problem for endo sufferers because you don't want to feel like you've got a problem, but this is a massive problem. Uh, sex should be enjoyable. And if it's giving you any kind of pain during or after, then you need to address it. Ways around it can be that um, you just change position. And that's like something that is very, very simplistic. But what happens with women is if the pelvis is tilted in a certain way, then the pain can be a lot different. So generally what um, I've kind of found with women is that if they put a cushion underneath the, the back side of their um, underneath the, at the back until upwards then it can be a lot easier for them to manage than when the line trying, trying to lie flat. So that's just one thing that you can do. again though with all of the other things that we've talked about during the painful period section it's about getting all of these three things that we've like kind of touched on the um, nutrition exercise and the stress management. All of these will also add to the fact that you might be having painful sex. And it sounds crazy, but pain is caused by the inflammation. If your inflammation is now lower, then might find that this actually diminishes as well. So a lot of what I speak about in all of these points can be transferred to each one of them. So what I find is when you got the three things working in synergy, getting your nutrition right, getting the anti-inflammatory, eating plan right, exercise is a massive one as well. And what I always recommend to my women is to do pelvic exercises, pelvic release exercises, especially as you're coming up towards your period, because we get a lot of tightness there. And again, if we're getting inflammation due to the period, inflammation due to what we're eating, then all of these things can be working against each other and the pelvis kind of stiffens up a lot. So if you've done a lot of pelvic release work, then you're going to get um, that kind of looseness in the pelvis and again once you come out of your period time and you're back to practicing with your partner then um, chances are because your inflammation is lower then you're going to have a lot better experience because of this lowering of inflammation number three brain fog or forgetfulness this is something that I get a lot of women coming to me about and they think that they're losing the mind I know I've thought I've been losing my mind quite often as well with this one Um, and a good example of this with me was um, a client had come to see me one day and she'd asked if she could have a way of measure and I was like of course she can so I got out my file and I needed to know her name to be able to find her file and I couldn't for the life of me remember what she was called and I'd been training her for two years. So I'm looking at the file and going mm, if I flick through this maybe I'll remember her name and her name began with an S and it was an alphabetical order. So she couldn't have been called Anne and she'd have been at the front. So I had to flick through all of these files and try and find this lady's name and I couldn't say to her can you just let me know your name? Because I've known her for two years. But that—that's what how it got me. It got me into these kind of state of I can't remember anything, and I've been known to stop mid sentence and not remember what I've talked about before. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a really like weird thing. And women again think that it's just having a busy mind or having a busy life. And yes, it can be one of those factors. But it's very, very common within women with endometriosis, lack of concentration, really feeling like you um, are forgetting things really, really easily. So what I have found with this is that it's very, very linked to the gut. And it sounds crazy, but the gut is linked to the brain. So if your gut isn't functioning correctly, then nor will the brain and vice versa. If your brain doesn't... um, doesn't um, function correctly, nor will your gut. So these two things are massively, massively in- interconnected. Um, something that I've kind of come across um, in the last sort of year or two is really feeding the gut with some good prebiotic or probiotic. When like, obviously we're talking about the gut, there are a lot of things that you can do to help it. Keeping hydrated is a great one because anything that is going on in the di- in the digestive system that gets blocked, you need to flush it through. So again, you know, you could be getting the brain fog just because you've got a backup of digestion. So that can be really a massive help. Detox, I'm not a massive lover of detox, but a lot of people do find it very beneficial. So yeah, doing a good cleanse of the gut and um, finding some good products that will help you with that um but yeah really good one is taking a good prebiotic or probiotic the two differences are a probiotic will help to populate your gut with some good gut bacteria and a prebiotic will help the good gut bacteria that's already there so it depends on what level um, of state what state the gut is actually in as to which one you would actually need so if your gut is already in a kind of good state but you feel like you need a little bit of extra help then i would go for the prebiotic if you've been in a bad state, eating a lot of processed foods, uh, maybe you've been taking antibiotics, anything like that, then a probiotic is is more advisable. So obviously, when your gut is fully functioning correctly, then the brain will follow and it will clear the head, it'll make your brain function a lot better. Also, um, something else that found very, very beneficial for the brain fog is omega-3s, so omega-3 is, for one, an anti-inflammatory, so really great for endometriosis suffer because it will lower inflammation, but also there's massive connection with omega-3 to helping the brain function. So again, um, not a massive supplement endorser, but um, the two things that I definitely would recommend for anybody with endometriosis is omega-3 and um, either pre or probiotic. So that moves me on nicely to number four, which is bloating. Bloating is a massive problem for sufferers. Um, Again, I'll give my example that uh, when I was at my worst, my stomach could blow up to me looking about eight months pregnant. From having a flat stomach to that would be within minutes. Honestly, I could eat something and it'd be swollen within that time. And Another thing that really is um, a problem for endometriosis or can be a problem for endometriosis sufferers is um, infertility. So you can imagine if you have a problem with infertility and people are asking you if you're pregnant, then you know it can be very upsetting. So helping yourself to get rid of this bloating is a massive, massive help in a lot of areas, not just physically, but mentally as well. So bloating... Um, Thing you can do for that, obviously, is the food. What what we talked about um, already in getting the body to be as anti-inflammatory as possible with things that we put into our body, with regards nutrition. Also, again, it's it's something else that intertwines with these three th- different areas that we've been talking about. Exercise helps with bloating because you know stimulation of the body, stimulation of the brain. It helps with inflammation. Um, stress management a massive thing that causes bloating is stress and people don't actually realize this but stress is one of the biggest things to cause bloating after food obviously food is number one but stress I can see people eating the right thing you know they send me food diaries in um, I've looked through everything pinpointed everything that they might have been doing wrong They've, they've been really honest with me done everything right and then I've gone um so how's your week been this week has it has there been any, has there been anything stressful and they'll be like well actually yeah um, I've had a lot of work um stress at the moment and, and I'll be like right okay well need not search anymore we need to look at your stress and again this is another point that's all to do with the condition is getting stress as low as possible Um, Obviously loads of techniques you can do to reduce stress, but also everybody's going to have some kind of stress in the life. Nobody's ever going to be stress free. We, We stress about all different things, but it's knowing how to react to it well and having tools in your bag that you can reach to and find what it is that you're going to get yourself over this stress. And I, um, I mean, I've read books years ago about um, your brain, being, your stomach being your second brain. And again, this is all the gut brain connection thing coming back in again. That you know, if you feel something bad, you feel it in your gut first. And again, this is why your body will react. It reacts in different ways. But I find that a lot of endometriosis sufferers react with the bloating after stress or react with pain after stress it's it's a massive one and yeah so for for me to get rid of the bloating what you need to do is look at both well three things nutrition exercise and stress but definitely if you're doing all the other things right stress will be your culprit number five IBS now IBS and endometriosis are very interlinked nine times out of ten clients who come to me with endometriosis also have IBS simple fact being generally and again I'm talking generally endometriosis sits on the bowel which disrupts the bowel and makes it very temperamental so sufferers can find themselves with either going to the toilet too much or too little and both are problematic and both can be very very life-disturbing it's not something that you should ignore it's not something that you should just get used to i know myself i got diagnosed with ibs when i was probably in my early 20s i didn't really get any help with it the doctor just said you got ibs and i was like well what do i do now well go and read a bit about it give yourself um you know um, a diet plan that's that's good for ibs and i was just like right okay that's not helpful at all So again, it goes back to the good old nutrition plan, um, finding out what triggers you, knowing what triggers IBS, because again, a trigger for endometriosis can be different to a trigger for IBS. Triggering IBS can be obviously what gives you the um, going to the toilet too much or not at all. And what I find most predominantly is that when people are going too much, it can be that they're eating too much of, of one thing. Um, notably things like spicy foods things with too much oil in them that can be something that triggers a um, episode like that or if you're not going enough it might be that there's not enough fiber in the diet but again each case is so different because what triggers one person might not trigger another I know for me that wheat can be a massive trigger of um, not going to the toilet enough so I know that if I've had too much wheat and this is happening, that I need to cut back on wheat. It's as simple as that, know your triggers, know what will trigger one or the other, and then take it out. There's triggers as well that are um, actual no-no, things um, that people find that no matter when or how it's just gonna trigger off symptoms. So best to stay clear, From anything that's going to trigger an episode. Again, um, things for myself that trigger are um, peppers, anything acidic, apples with skin on, you just get to know over time and and, and trial and error, you get to know over time what your culprits are. So just think about cutting them out. Again, um, what I do with my clients is to go through this whole process of elimination of doing food diaries, noting down every time you have a flare up every time you have um, problems with the digestive system and having that food in front of you of what you've actually eaten and it's going to be a very honest list because if you're eating something and not telling me about it then obviously I can't find out what's causing you the problem but yeah you will start to find patterns once you start doing a food diary and ticking off all of the things that you know are causing your problem. number 6 low energy again this hits um sufferers like a ton of bricks feeling very tired after the smallest bit of effort sleeping loads and feeling really weak so again it's it's one of those that you need to be listening to your body very very carefully knowing when you need more rest and this generally will be one week leading up to and during your period so Really start to track your cycle and know when you need to get this rest in. And I always, always do my I mean, social calendar right at this moment probably isn't a great example, but I normally will do my social calendar around my time of the month because it's no good filling your diary full of stuff when you know you're going to be really tired because you're just going to add to being more tired and more tired and more tired. So by having that week or so mapped out in your diary that you're just going to rest. So once you finish work, you're going to take a nice hot bath and you're going to go to bed and get some really good rest. And if you're very fortunate enough to have time in the day and you might feel a little bit tired, you can go for a little nap. There's nothing wrong with that. I think as well as women, we get very bogged down in the fact that we should be doing we feel like we are constantly having to be on the go and proving to people that we are, you know, bomb proof. Well, we're not. And especially when you've got a condition such as endometriosis, it's your body's way of telling you, you need to slow down. So slow down. And that's my biggest, biggest thing that I want to get through to you is that you've got to be listening to what your body's telling you. Rest is massively important. You know, In the exercise world, um, you go to any trainer, they're gonna tell you that rest days are important as the actual exercise days because your body needs time to rest, rest and recuperate from the effort you've put in. And endometriosis and rest is no different. What you need to do is prepare yourself because obviously when you're going through these months where pain is maybe gonna be high, you might not be sleeping so well because your pain is gonna be so excruciating I know in the past, I've been like awake for 48 hours because my pain's not letting me go to sleep. It's Like Chinese torture, it really is horrific. So if you're going to go through these times, then you're going to have to prepare your body in order to do that. And also, if needed, give yourself time to rest afterwards too, because you're going to have to catch up on that time that you've lost with um, the lack of sleep. And again, to get over all of this and give yourself more energy, you need to follow the three steps of getting your nutrition right, getting your exercise right and getting your stress management right. And all of this together, giving yourself rest, giving your, uh, listening to your body, you're gonna get a lot more energy from it. So number seven, disrupted sleep. This can be for all different reasons. Um, One of them is obviously with the pain. So you can be awake for a number of hours with pain. It's disruptive. It's it's something that is going to it's going to be hellish for the days that you're on your period because the pain is just not going to leave you alone unless you put the steps in place to get over it. But also um, those steps are nutrition, exercise and stress management. Also, sleep can be disrupted from a number of things, and sleep is one of the most important things to anybody, not just endometriosis sufferers. We need sleep to recover. We need sleep to rest, we need sleep to be able to function. You know, going back to brain fog, brain fog can be caused by lack of sleep too. So when you want in to get a good night's sleep, think about a few things. Is your room at a temperature that's good enough to sleep? You know, a lot of us have central heating on all day, maybe being left on in the bedroom. Going to bed in a hot room is just going to wake you up because you're too hot. So make sure that once you're going to bed, you've switched off your heating a little bit earlier. You're getting into bed into a room where it feels quite chilly. And when you get in bed, you feel cozy and warm. So that's going to be a really nice environment for you to sleep in. Make sure you're turning off all of your electrical devices, not going to bed and working on a laptop not taking your phone to bed um, with you and looking through Facebook until two in the morning, none of these things are going to help you sleep. So switch them off, have a a time that you dedicate to switching off all electrical devices, and make sure you stick to it. Because again, you need to prepare yourself to be able to have a good night's sleep. Again, stress, stress keeps us awake, stress makes us have a lack of a lot of things, but sleep is one of them. So If you've got something that you're stressed about, a good tip is to write everything down that you're stressed about. Get it out of your head and onto paper. I've been known to wake up at like two in the morning, have things on my mind and just have a pad and pen at the side of my bed and write it down. Again, you know, obviously I've been stressed about something, but by waking up and thinking about it, writing it down, gets it out of your head and chances are you can then go back to sleep again. Again, not ideal for waking up midnight, but if that's what you do, then it's better to get it out of your head than leave it in there and toss and turn until it's time for the alarm to go off and you hate your life so better to do that than uh, than getting that really poor night's sleep um, other things to do with sleep again nutrition massive thing um, that disrupts sleep if you've eaten something too spicy if we've eaten too late before going to bed again follow the nutrition program anti-inflammatory and chances are that your gut's going to be in a better place and you're going to sleep better Exercise helps sleep. Um, People who are sedentary generally have more sleep problems than people who are not. Um, But again, exercise should be done at optimum hours. Some people it doesn't affect, but chances are that if you're exercising too late into the night, then endorphins are still going to be running and you're not going to sleep correctly. So just make sure that disrupted sleep isn't because of any of these areas that you've not put in place number 8 low or erratic mood now this with women with any kind of imbalance in hormones anything to do with inflammation again you know it's it's all it's all interconnected but a lot of women can be flying off the handle a lot when it's the run up to the period they can be crying at something for nothing it's a rough time it's a really rough time and you can't quite understand why it's happening to you. It's like an out-of-body experience. That's how, that's how I explain it. It's like you're having this out-of-body experience. Sometimes it can be shouting at my husband and I'm actually really not thinking about what I'm saying. And it's like, it's not me that's saying it, it's this, this other person. And then he'll just look at me and, and I'll be like, well, I didn't actually mean to say that. And he's like, but why did you? I said, I don't know. It just came over me, came over me like a flash of light. And uh, luckily, I've got a very understanding husband, but it's it's not nice for that person living with you to have to deal with it. And again, it's it can be controlled by the three things: getting the right amount of exercise, in the right time of the month, having the right nutrition, and controlling your stress, all of which will get you into a really good balance. And also as well, talking about sleep, getting the right amount of sleep, because again, Anybody without any condition, anybody outside of a time of the month, if you've had not enough sleep, then you're going to be flying off the handle because you're just running on, you know, empty. Running on empty is not good for anybody. And that's, again, where nutrition comes in, having the right nutrition, balanced nutrition, and regular eating. You know, I know women that will go maybe a day without eating or oh, forgot to eat. There's no excuse for forgetting to eat. eat. You know, it's, it's part of life. It fuels us. It gives us what we need to function correctly. So don't be skipping a day of eating because you think that, you know, you've not got enough time. Everybody's got time to eat. So, yeah, low erratic mood. I would look at, again, these three areas, making sure everything's working in synergy with each other and balancing out correctly. Number nine, dizziness or fainting. This is something that I had a lot of in my younger years. I would be found at school, passed out in corridors. Um, It it got to be a bit of a running joke. Can somebody go to the toilet with Michelle? Because we don't know if she's going to be passed out somewhere. So I would have to be escorted to the toilet by a friend at school. How lovely was that? And it's kind of followed me into adult life in not the same um, way. But um, if, for instance, I've had a lot of stress if I've had alcohol in at the time of the month whilst taking strong painkillers is not an advisable one. Um, (laughs) It's it's something that a lot of women with endometriosis can endure. And a lot of the time it is due to the pain and the pain becomes that excruciating that they can just obviously the whole senses take over and, and they can faint. Again, it can be a lot to do with nutrition not having the right nutrients in there, lacking in iron, you know, especially during the period when um, blood flow might be quite heavy, losing a lot of blood can um, can kind of result in fainting or dizziness. What I would suggest is having your iron levels checked, Um you can go to your doctor and, and ask for that to happen. And um, again, um, up in things like leafy green veg during the time of the month is advisable. A lot of women don't eat red meat due to the inflammation factor that red meat can cause. But I would suggest getting some B12 in as well at this time of the month, and also some vitamin D, which all can help to support you and and help with that fainting and dizziness. Okay, and the final tip. I'm going to give you today is um, number 10, infertility. This is in very severe cases. Not all women with endometriosis suffer infertility. You know, there's no reason if you have endometriosis that you can't conceive. But there are higher possibilities of infertility um, with endometriosis sufferers. Again, It's more out of my area of expertise, this, but what I do do um, for my clients is refer them on to specialist um, holistic therapists that can help more. I mean, obviously, um, a lot of the time with infertility, nutrition can play a massive part. Exercise can definitely play a good part as well. And so can stress management, but not always. So I would say that for this, I would probably refer out to friends who maybe have um, expertise in um, reflexology. So I know a lot of like, good practitioners with um, experience in helping women with reflexology for um, conception. Also, um, I've had a lot of women I've sent to acupuncturists and I've had really great results. Obviously, um, never ever not talk to your doctor about this because this is the most serious thing I think that comes out of this condition. It's never been an issue for me because I never was, I was never one for having children anyway. You know, it's a decision I made a long, long time ago and I've never actually ventured into whether or not I can have children. But for a lot of women, this can be so hard. And I've had ladies that have been i've worked with that have like had heartbreaking stories of not being able to conceive and it can really you know ruin somebody's life can this so if this is something that you know you're young enough to discover now start the ball rolling go and find the help you need if it's holistic therapy you want then go and find the holistic therapist that you need if it's more medical help you know you're going to go down the IVF route that doesn't take like two minutes that takes a whole process so once you know you have an issue then don't leave it just go and get it sorted out and um yeah I wish you all the luck with that and um it's 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 something that even though I never wanted children myself I've like dealt with a lot of women with this problem and it's um it's something that's very close to my heart. And I, I, you know, anybody who has the choice and wants the choice to have children, they should be able to have that choice. So thanks for listening to this episode. Um, What I want to leave you with is if you have any of the symptoms I've covered in this episode, please don't leave them. Go to your doctor, talk to them. If he doesn't listen, go back time and time again having painful periods, having any of the symptoms that are in this episode are not normal. So please don't be fobbed off by anybody. Know your own body. You know best. Just go and get it sorted out. Thanks for listening to Endo Matters. I've been Michelle Brooks from Desired Physique. If you have a question you'd like me to answer please drop me a message on Facebook or Instagram or email me at info at If you like what you've heard and have found the information useful please subscribe to the podcast on the platform you are listening to. Also if you have enjoyed the show please leave a review on Apple Podcast. Endo Matters is recorded and produced by Strength in Media.